To the town of our free rode a stranger one fine day Hardly spoke to folks around him, didn't have too much to say No one dared to ask his business, no one dared to make a slip The stranger there among them had a big iron on his hip Big iron on his hip It was early in the morning when he rode into the town He came riding from the south side, slowly looking all around He's an outlaw loose and running, came the whisper from each lip And he's here to do some business with a big iron on his hip You're now tuned to your voice in this irradiated hellscape we once called America, DLC News Radio, with your host, G-Dog. Now listen, kiddos, I've traveled all across this country. I was a courier for the NCR Rangers. I won and lost a fortune on the New Vegas Strip, and there's a permanent bounty on my head in Caesar's Legion territory. I've roamed with ghouls and super mutants. Hell, I even took a turn as a superhero, the Mechanist, once. I mean, me and everyone else, am I right? But in all my travels, I've never met a better group than my guests today. My first guest was once a lowly cap scrounger on the mean streets of New Vegas. He is now the proprietor of the Lucky 38 Casino. Please welcome Rich. Yo! My next guest rose from scribe to paladin before parting ways with the Brotherhood of Steel over a debate on the best use of pre-war technology. Now she uses her extensive technological savvy to build vaults of her own. Say hello, Bree. Hey, guys. Before the bombs fell, he was known as the smartest man in Vermont. Now he's the smartest ghoul in Vermont. I'm talking, of course, about Dr. Dylan Smith, Commonwealth Apothecary. Hi. And I'm sure you all know and love his backstory, but just for the uninitiated, this panelist infiltrated the Enclave with the sole purpose of obtaining his very own Hellfire Power Armor. He escaped in a vertebrate, but not before rigging the compound to blow. That's right, it's the legendary Ron. It was a glorious explosion, too. Yeah, I know, we saw it all the way down here. And of course, this show would be nothing but the hollow static of the wasteland if not for the man who, after accidentally being exposed to the forced evolutionary virus in a vault filled with radio equipment, found himself becoming one with the broadcasting system. A small, exclusive group of delusional people worship him as a god, but he prefers to be called Brian. Well, you know, being a deity and and all of that is really difficult. It's not all it's cracked up to be. Fair enough, fair enough. Anyway, it's been 20 years since we first stepped out of the vault and into the harsh glow of reality. Ain't it beautiful, folks? The sun, what is this? <laughs> yeah. Evil so, burning day star. That's the one. As if we didn't already have enough radiation to contend with. Now we've got the uh, UV rays, and they're probably that much more intense. Um, So, yeah, I I wanted to go around and have each of you tell me a little bit about your experience with the Fallout series. What, uh, What specifically maybe was your favorite game or the game that you have or haven't played? Um... 
And then if you have like one favorite moment that you can start us off with, if that sounds good to you guys, we'll go that way. All right. So first I'll go to, uh, I'll just go in the order I introduced you. So Rich. Hey, yeah. So uh, I guess I've been a veteran of the series since I played Fallout 3 on my Xbox 360. Um, and ever since then, I was hooked, and I stretched into, like, I went backwards, and I played Fallout 1 and 2 on the computer. And uh, and I have to say, though, my favorite of the series was Fallout New Vegas. I might be a little biased because I grew up in Henderson, which is a suburb of Las Vegas, so it was, like, like the cities, the, the streets, the city, it all kind of felt, you know, very gray, but also very familiar, <laughs> very brown. Yeah, I was going to say, the brown so, color palette. Yeah, New Vegas was very brown. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, nothing, nothing, that was my favorite in the series, just because it was, it was nice to see all the, all the familiarity where I grew up. Yeah, and I, I know you played Dead Money, and I was hoping to have you talk to that a little later, but we'll get there. Anyway, Bree? Well, I have only recently been introduced to the console gaming side of things, so Fallout Shelter was my initial exposure, other than just watching other people play Fallout, which is so much fun, because I'm terrible yeah. on consoles. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> my, I guess my biggest exposure to the console side of it was Fallout 4, for sure. Um, the the story was just getting exposed in the fourth one. I guess maybe everybody else got desensitized to it over the first three games, but oh dear lord, um, <laughs> how horrible! Um, but Fallout Shelter itself kind of introduced me to the aspect of um, how to survive underground, and um, I couldn't do it. Like I don't think I could do it with all all of the things happening. Um, and I think my favorite memory or my favorite like thought of of working with you know any of the fallout stuff was uh <laughs> rich let me play fallout 4 for the first time on his console and the very first thing i did was gotten an elevator and decapitated dog meat so oh, no. um, <laughs> it was it was not the most glorious of my moments but um I guess when you fall off a horse, you just get back on. You just apologize to dog meat and it'll all be good. You just load that quick save and just get back on I the truck. I did! <laughs> so, but uh, I just started my own game last night. And, you know, I'm, I'm getting into it and experiencing the story that way as, as a newcomer. So, way behind the times. But so far, it's, it's pretty gruesome and terrible and horrible. So, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I know... Um... When I first experienced the Fallout lore and all of that, I was just captivated by that realization of a post-apocalyptic world. And I mean, it, it's far from the only post-apocalypse in, uh, in literature and fiction and all that. But anyway, Dylan, tagging you in. Hi. You people in your console games. So I played Fallout <laughs> 2 and it was relatively new. Um, I believe my friend, my friend Sam introduced me to it when I think I was in middle school. I actually asked him about this because I'm not sure. And I had never seen anything that violent, nor a game where you could play as a porn star or as a slaver. Oh, so shit. it kind of blew me away at the time. Um, so I think I played all of the games except for the, the phone one, and I haven't played Brotherhood of Steel, which is apparently not canon. But I played 1, 2, 3, I played Tactics a bit. 
played four and I played New Vegas. Um, obviously, I have a lot of fond memories of Fallout 2 because it's the first one I played, but I also like New Vegas a lot. Yeah. So that's two, and I'm going to tip my hand. That's three for Fallout New Vegas so far because New Vegas is also my favorite. But um, how about you, Ron? Um, I got introduced to it in with Fallout 3. Um, I believe my first introduction was playing it on probably the PC, actually. Um, this was, this went around the time when I got a, a laptop that was actually capable of running PC games and not just something like, like a, a word processor and browsing the internet, which was a novel concept for me because like, I knew PC gaming existed. But it was always the thing of like, well, I need like a thousand dollars to make it anything any sort of PC that's going to run a game, and I mean, in a sense, spend another thousand dollars on a PC, new PC components in eighteen months. But um, yeah, like Fall Three was my first one. Um, I, I read back on that, and then went back and read the lore on one and two because uh, I'm a story nut for this. I, I like the story of this like alternate reality what if scenario of how it became what it is. Um, I played 3, 4, three, four New Vegas, and Fallout Shelter. Um, I, I think... I, it, for me, it's a, it's a difficult call. I, I enjoy Fallout 3, but I think I like New Vegas more. More so because of the... I, I feel like New Vegas got more polished of the ideas that 3 had. Yeah. So, so like, like 3 had some really cool concepts, but then like they got polished up and really made into a cohesive system for New Vegas. So I think that's why I have it as my favorite. Uh, how about you, Brian? I know you said you're not that much of a Fallout vet, but lay it on us anyway. Yeah, I mean, because of, of just how popular this franchise has been i wanted to do a 20th anniversary episode of downloadable content so thank you for taking up the mantle of that um, i do what i can <laughs> you know i guess i'm i'm you know i have the least fallout experience but i was exposed to it way back in the beginning when i you know when i had a computer that ran you know windows 95 and I, I played the first couple hours of the original game. And I decided, years later, I picked up the original game on a Steam sale and got, you know, a couple hours in. You know, didn't remember a damn thing from 20 years ago. So that is the only extent of my gameplay for this series. So not a lot at all. Haven't even beaten a single game, but... Fallout 1, it would be the only one I have any sort of familiarity with. Gotcha. Well, on the flip side, you are fused together with a bunch of radio equipment, so we wouldn't be able to do this without you. Well, so. well I'm, I'm yeah. glad I could help. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so uh, that brings us to me. Um, as I mentioned, I started with Fallout 3. I've yet to go back and play um, Fallout 1 and 2 because uh, in terms of, you know, the top-down isometric uh, RPG gameplay, I was so unfamiliar with it that I, I just haven't gotten to it yet. 
But I have started, well, started. A little while ago, I started playing Wasteland 2, which is the successor to the game of which Fallout and the Fallout series was a spiritual successor to originally. It's confusing. The whole, that whole line is a mess. But anyway, Wasteland 2 is really cool and it's probably going to be my gateway to a lot more of those types of games. Um, although technically Bastion for me came before Wasteland 2 and that I couldn't ask for a better intro, but this is not about Bastion. This is about Fallout. Um, <clears throat> yes, I, I played Fallout 3 and I was astounded by just how immersed I became in the world uh, that, that they built. And I was constantly impressed by how their attention to detail, and I mean, I guess it helps them being Bethesda that they were able to actually set it near Bethesda, Maryland, and all of that. So it must have been pretty easy for them to go out and and do uh, and do location scouting and all of that other stuff. But anyway, I was just you know I visited DC again after I played the game, and I was getting like flashbacks, like super mutants, they're coming, they're in the mall, you know, and that kind of stuff, and then. We got turned around, but I knew exactly how to get where I went, you know, how I was supposed to get to uh, the museum or whatever. I was like, oh, yeah, it's over there. But And I was like, how do I know that? It just was because I had spent hundreds of hours in the capital wasteland, as it were, um, <clears throat> listening to my friend Three Dog on the radio and uh, just getting deeper and deeper into it with all the music and everything else that that played in the background and um but fallout new vegas really was uh, it was so important for me um in terms of fallout and and that really leaving a lasting impression because i'm not the kind of person who plays much with shotguns or assault rifles or even, you know, in Fallout 3, I pretty much just used a pistol the whole time. I didn't even use melee all that much. Uh, there was no real incentive. Fallout New Vegas did a really good job incentivizing exploring with different weapons, both because you'd unlock new perks of use, also because your weapons would start to degrade, so you'd need to really be on top of that. And... To add, you know, to sweeten the deal, they had um, a nice achievement system where you had to do a certain amount of damage with each weapon and you'd get rewards for that in-game as well, which really incentivized my trying different weapons. And unlike in Fallout 3 where the melee, when I did try it, was just pretty mediocre, I thought they really revamped the system and made it actually a lot of fun. I loved sneaking up on people and just, you know, smacking them to death with something. Or I just felt like I was playing the game better. And that's always a good thing from a point of, uh, from a perspective of game design. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, I've played Fallout 4. And if you were, if you heard me on the 
previous podcast, uh, the free play, I talked about how I had a harder time getting invested in that story, but we can get into that later. Um, my favorite thing, I mean, honestly, just, it's really hard for me to, I realize I posed this question to everyone else, so I'm kind of a jerk for not having a clear-cut answer, but my favorite experience in Fallout New, uh, the Fallout series has got to be in New Vegas. Um, maybe I'll come up with a specific thing. New Vegas, I thought, had the most astounding vaults um, in terms of the vault with all the green um, overgrowth and the humanoid people that were also plants. Um, they had the, the one where everyone had to vote to to get out or, or vote the... They had to elect an overseer and then the overseer would get sacrificed every year. I believe that was in New Vegas and that one always stuck with me as well. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. That's... Uh, <clears throat> That's my experience. Those are my favorites, anyway. So I just wanted to know, um, what what is the one thing, if you had to pinpoint it, that makes the Fallout series so special to you? And I mean, anyone who wants to chime in can do so now. I've talked enough for a little bit. Well, I realized I forgot to mention what my favorite experience was in my little opening thing. Go for it. All right, I'm gonna. It's a little bit long. And I'm also going to try and talk more about Fallout 2 than the other games, since it sounds like you guys haven't played that as much. That's so fine. in Fallout 2, um, if you fire a fully automatic weapon, it just sprays everywhere and can easily hit bystanders. And if a bystander gets hit, they aggro on you, and so do all their friends. So <laughs> there, in, there's a city called New Reno, which is a very large and open map, and I was fighting some slavers. And one of them fired a gun at full auto at me, missed me, and winged a hooker behind me. And so all oh, of no. my friends joined in on the fight, and essentially everyone on the entire map was in a shooting war at that point. Oh no, that sounds. Yeah, this is a new Reno. Yeah, sounds... a new Reno. <laughs> that sounds astounding. I love it. Were the were the uh, hookers attacking the slavers, or attacking you, or everyone? Um. Well, admittedly, this was like nine years ago, so I don't remember exactly. But definitely, a hooker got winged by a random shot. And then all her, all her hooker friends and some pimps and some other gangsters who were somehow the game had aligned with her all joined in. Um, <laughs> now, I don't think I was the one who fired the shot. But, I mean, as I said, automatic weapon fire goes everywhere. So I think I ran away. But it was turn-based, so I had to wait for like 20 people to go before I was able to run away. Oh, no. That's... That sounds like a pretty... I would like to watch that. Unfortunately, you don't have a recording of it, but I would like to watch it, and just hearing it is pretty great, too. Let's see. So, um, yeah, let's see. Anyone have a certain thing that makes the game worth playing to them? I think that's where we left off. Thank you for sharing that, Dylan. Mm-hmm. Well, I, uh, this is Rich, and I kind of liked the, just the overall theme of Fallout. It is, Fallout, at, at the end of the day, is a satire. Like, even though it takes place in a different, or like, in an alternate time frame, like, it does hyperbolize our lives now, and it does satirize it to some extent, you know? 
um, like the vaults are all kind of examples of extremes of that, like where we all vote and then sacrifice for an, an official or some of them, uh, like Vault 21 in New Vegas, everything was based on gambling. So they would, you know, everything was based on cards or coins for every decision. And there's a dark side to it where, you know, the themes are, you know, the overall theme of Fallout is, you know, almost, you know, the worst of humanity almost caused our extinction. And I kind of like that as just the overall motif. motif. Yeah, I would agree with you. I'll jump in here and, and make my contribution. Like, just the notion of that post-war world and, and trying to imagine what it would be like. And obviously it owes a lot to, you know, Mad Max and other post-apocalyptic fiction. But, you know, it does have... <clears throat> a sense of humor about it to a large extent. And uh, I think a certain degree of optimism. I mean, I'm not, I'm not as keen on fallout 4's sort of insistence that you play good. I mean, you can play bad, but it really sort of puts you on that track pretty hard to play as a virtuous character. And I mean, they even got rid of the karma system and things like that. Um, but just the notion that 200 years after the bombs drop, you go out and there are all these people and yeah, there's a bunch of shitheads, uh, shooting people up and all and shooting up themselves and all that kind of stuff. Um, but there's also communities that are doing their absolute best to, to rebuild, regroup and, and, you know, move on with humanity it's just it's a really resilient resilient message a message of hope in the middle of the absolute despair at the same time yeah, i mean that was way. that was one of my things sorry go on yeah humanity always finds a way like no matter where a man is he can always make for himself and yeah all and everything's broken you know it's not the it's, it might the world might be changed, but it's not the end of the world. <coughs> it's also interesting, too, from like a society aspect, too, of the various, like, the, the Fallout side, too, um, where it's like, alright, yeah, there, there's, like, the, based on what you, you read about in the various Fallout games, where they, like, uh, drip drop out, like, uh, like, manna from heaven, you get some various bits of lore information of, like, where certain like things deviate, and it's just like, all right, well, like how how did these small changes eventually lead to the bombs being dropped, and like, yeah, the, like Nixon, right? Um, oh, I don't, I, I'm trying to find the exact like because there is a, a large, there's there is a particularly noticeable difference. Um, I'm trying to find out which one exactly, but I want to say it's something to do with the Apollo program. Uh, I can't recall. I'm, I'm looking here to figure out exactly what. Uh, part of part of it involved the uh, the deviation on the technology, right? They yeah, yeah. Here it is. So, so one of the things that caused it was that the transistor, which for those who aren't aware, is um. Basically, what allows microcomputing to exist doesn't get invented until 2023. 
So you then have a rather te technological um, stagnation for like 80 years almost between 1945 and 2023. And that th this stagnation eventually causes a, a bunch of issues. <laughs> and also explains why all the computers look ghetto as all get out. Yeah, because they're like like they look like computers that came out in the 1980s because technologically speaking, they are computers that look like that are out of the 1980s. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's something I wanted to mention. So the Fallout series taught me the term retrofuturism. So oh, nice. Yeah. What Fallout basically is is what people in the 1950s thought the world was going to be like. The drum, the bombs dropped. Louis Armstrong is still popular. Cars have little fins on them. Computers are tiny. Um, and so that's that's kind of how I see the Fallout universe. That's what people thought was going to happen and what it was going to look like. And it's really cool to see that, even if it's not, you know, super realistic. Yeah, it's sort of like looking at those old uh, pictures from the World's Fair, like what they thought the world would be like as well. It, that stuff is always fascinating. Like sometimes they get it spot on and sometimes it couldn't be further from the truth, like people riding around on whales. But, that's, but yeah, I forgot that term, so thank you, Dylan. That's something that the uh, Fallout did a good job of, was the juxtaposition between the future and the past. So you'll see, you know, old-fashioned computers in this, like, standing right next to sentient robots. Yeah. Yeah, but it's the Forbidden Planet robot. It still has the, uh, the retro-futurist theme there. Robbie the robot. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, they're definitely like the old movie style, like black and white movie kind of robot. Like you said, I don't know the term, but you did. Yeah, Robbie the Robot is the name of um, a specific prop that was used in a lot of different movies. It was first in Forbidden Planet, but it was also on Lost in Space and a lot of other programs. And that's basically what the Fallout robots look like. Yeah, so like as I'm reading up on this, there's, there's some minor things that, that occur in the timeline before 1945 was basically after World War II uh, that th the major changes began occurring. Um, so it's so like the, the, the real first one that the, the major change is um, that there's a there's an astronaut from America that, that is claimed to be the first man to enter space, but he dies on re-entry. Uh-huh. Uh, <clears throat> and, the, and then the next major change is that the U.S. eventually becomes a commonwealth instead of uh, uh, remaining a state. Gotcha. See, I, I, I read some of this, but I, it was a while ago. And I think something happened where Nixon was president for like five terms or something absurd, but I can't remember. Yeah. Oh, that's that's Watchmen, isn't it? Oh shit! Well, that, that movie could Watchmen, be. but yeah. Yeah, that's I, Watchmen. First, yeah, but for some reason I thought Nixon was president longer. Ah, forget it. I'm, I, I'm no longer the host. <laughs> Kick me off. No, it's oh. fine. But like, yeah. um, uh. But, like, we still land on the moon, but that's with different astronauts, basically. Um, 
and then like it, but like comparatively speaking, like there's a large gap between like 1969 and, and the next major story, the next Fallout related thing is 2002. So like 45, 40 years of like stagnation before the West Tech Research Facility is founded, which for those unawares is basically what it ends up making uh like some of the, some of the robots for the for the for the um for the army and it, it like and and it's pretty much like this diversion here but like that so I, I, based on what I'm reading it's basically like there, there's some there's some divergent point which is like the the focal like like if like if X thing happens, Fallout happens, and I, I'm trying. There is no dedicated one now. Obviously, the, the end point of the Fallout thing is that eventually there's a world war and bombs get dropped. But um, there's there there's like little hints and things like that along the way. But there um these these would be things that like would affect. I guess the biggest diversion point would actually be the, the fact that, like, the, um, there, there is no resistor invented. Like, without the resistor, technology doesn't progress forward. There's no, there's no, there's no longer that push for being smaller and more sleek and things like that, which. Yeah. That which is, is. Sorry. I was just going to say that is kind of astounding that, like, that one little piece changes so much. I mean, what you think, think about it is believable because yeah, I mean, transistors are what allow computers to be as small as they are today. Otherwise, they still be those freaking five machine machine rooms long, five five refrigerators wide, and like generating so much heat that you could bake it bake a cake on top of them. And that's just yeah. to play, and that's just to play Tetris. Yeah, those yeah. vacuum tubes were a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, Bree, you had a question, and you can go ahead and say it here, um, so everyone can hear it. Are you there, oh, Bree? I'm sorry, I'm here. I'm just, I don't think I had a, I think Rich had a... Oh, like, maybe. Sorry. sorry. Sorry, we're using the same Skype. Yeah, um, yeah sorry. It's okay. I was only going to just comment on something that someone had said earlier, but... Oh, go like, for it. As I was about to say something, he's basically took the words right out of my mouth so i was like oh okay well he's it was when he was saying he hasn't um and i'm sorry i don't recall who was who was mentioning it but just the individual that was talking about um not being exposed to the phone content of the fallout shelter and how he just you know and then he was just talking about his experience with the console gaming side and it was it was just cool how he did that comparison so he um just that was going to be my comment, but it was kind of inconsequential. But sorry if I made it seem like I had a question. No, that's fine. Um, I'll go to the question that Rich was going to ask in a second. But just imagine if we didn't have the resistor, we wouldn't be able to play Fallout Shelter on our phones. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. So. so, yeah. Um, all right, Rich, I, you said it in the uh, text, but it's a good... It's a good topic, so go for it. So I, I know I noticed that when we were all going around uh, talking about our favorite Fallout, um, it was almost unanimous that we all kind of started with Fallout Three as our intro, <laughs> with the exception of Brian. 
And me. Uh, and Dylan, yeah. Yeah, um, I, have, I have to be the odd one out here. It's a deal. But then the almost the uh, unanimous favorite was Fallout 4. And I thought it was kind of funny. Um, Fallout 4 was created by a side company. It wasn't made by Bethesda. Was, you, you mean uh, New Vegas. I'm going to cut it. Oh, I'm cut Vegas. Yeah, Vegas. Yes. Three was. New Vegas, yes. So New Vegas was made by Obsidian Entertainment. Um, Bethesda was doing some other things Revitalize the brand. And, yeah, so I just, I, think it, I just thought it was ironic that uh, Black Rock or Black Isle did a better, or Obsidian did a better job with Fallout than... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean it, but it makes sense though because uh, Obsidian was founded by a lot of people from Black Isle Studios who originally developed um, the Fallout games to begin with. So uh, poor, it, poor interplay, they just get no love. <laughs> so it did, yeah. it did a monumental effort by Bethesda to rebuild. Fallout. So I'm not, I'm not I'm not saying they did a bad job because they did amazing job that you know we're, we're all paying attention to it, um, and just going from the top down isometric view to a 3D first Fallout person 3 or third person shooter. Fallout 3 definitely saved the brand for sure. It brought it back, <laughs> yeah. And then New Vegas was able to take a, you know, take use that as a platform to do something bigger, and they introduced new mechanics like uh, like the survival system, which is something that really grew on me. Um, it made give me more menu time, but I liked. You the were something management. shiny. Be honest with yourself. You you liked finding random things everywhere for nothing other than just crafting. Yeah. So. <laughs> so um, that that leads me to one of the questions that I had thought about on the uh, in preparation for this show, which was. Did Bethesda ruin the series? I know there are some, you know, purists who think that Fallout 3 and thereafter is not Fallout, in quotes. You know, I mean, the, these are the same kind of fans and such who are, I think, in my opinion, might be a little too entitled to, you know to what they believe to a concept to be or too stuck to a certain concept um, to not allow for any change or adaptation. But maybe you disagree. Maybe you think they have a point in that really um, Skyrim with guns in the future is not the same <laughs> as Fallout. You know, so if anyone wanted to chime in on that, Go for it. Send all of your hate mail to Gabe Cleveland, care of downloadable <laughs> content. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, for a certain point, I mean, for a certain thing, you're right. Like, let, let's face it, Fallout Three was basically just a sci-fi, sci-fi with guns version of Oblivion, and they used the same engine. Yeah, know? and but and like that, that's 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 part of it is. Like, okay, yeah, you have this engine you guys built. Fantastic, nice. You wanna show it off, it makes sense. And and but like I I guess the, the thing I wanna say is just like I you, I'm trying to how to best phrase this. When the original game was like the isometric three D or the the isometric three quarter angle like tactical RPG where it's more more of a or it's more like Tactics Ogre or 
Final Fantasy Tactics, like that that affords you various freedoms that you can do in terms of combat that allows for a lot of pre-planning and like if you if you know you're gonna be going into a fight, you can be like, all right, well I know what I'm gonna be doing in the next five minutes. What can I do to like increase my odds of survival? Whereas with a open world game like Fallout Three, New Vegas, and Four R, you don't really have that same degree of freedom because it's all based on RNG being run behind the scenes on you, and that. Sure, you can have a stealth score, but if you're wearing power armor, you're going clank, 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 clank throughout the throughout the radioactive wasteland. Someone's going to be hearing you no matter what you do. And yeah, it's it's just hard to convey or do that that tactics sense. With, yeah. in, in in a three D world, and, or with that engine, and as such, they had to make the design. The, the engineering decision to, or the story decision to switch it off of the asymmetric and into more of the oblivion, like wandering around, roaming wherever you do, do whatever you want with lots of action in between in terms of like sudden combats. Yeah, I mean, Vats is helpful, but it's, it's still not the same having just played Wasteland 2 and really having my first exposure to that tactical setup. I, I would agree that there's a huge gameplay difference there. Anyway, uh, someone else was going to comment. Yeah. Um, so we were talking about Skyrim and Fallout, and Fallout just being a, a guns blazing version of Skyrim. And I kind of dis- disagree that it's just Skyrim with guns. Um, oh, so. I only said that I was being facetious, just <laughs> well, for right. the record. There is that kind of tone because they are very similar games, same engine, same same maker. Um, but I would argue that the the lore and the themes are vastly different. Whereas, like, um, I don't think there is much of a morality engine or mechanics in Skyrim as there are in the Fallout series. Whereas yeah, Skyrim, I, I, like, there is you can steal things and you cannot sell the things yeah. you steal. But that's a little bit different than like people treating you differently if you know. Yeah, no, I, I agree. That you, like the setting is obviously different. Where you one's a fantastical, high fancy, high fancy landscape, and the other is the scorching remains of what 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 is left of life on Earth. But like, it's also more than that. It's also Skyrim. It's more about valor and companionship, and about you know um, honor and, and and all the things that sort of sorcery games kind of tend to value. Yeah, and, and, and like yeah, but that that's the setting. Like you could do, you can still do that in, in to to I get how do I best phrase this is, you can still have those things in the same engine. Case in point, Baldur's Gate and Fallout the first one. Like they're both one is literally sword and sorcery in the D and D world. The other is the Fallout universe. Like. They're both tactical RPGs, and they both play relatively similarly. Yeah, so the question initially had been more like the difference between Fallout 1, 2, and Tactics, and then Fallout 3, New Vegas, and 4. 
more right, so than than uh, Skyrim and all that. Dylan, you were going to say something? <laughs> yeah, I can talk about that. Um, since I played Fallout 2 and a lot of asymmetric RPGs, I mentioned Baldur's Gate. Baldur's Gate 2 is my favorite game, fun trivia fact. Um, so yeah, I feel like, and I remember, so my friend Khadija in undergrad is a mutual friend of me and Gabe. Um, she was a big fan of Fallout 2 when it first came out, and she's very excited for Fallout 3, and she's very disappointed when it came out because it's just so different. Um, so I, I would definitely not say that Bethesda ruined Fallout, and they did it a lot of help by bringing it back into the you know mainstream awareness, but it's a very different game. Part of it is the combat, of course, um, that it's not a, a top-down is- isometric RPG with tactical elements, and it's a first-person shooter instead. Um, but also the tone is very different, especially between Fallout 2 and Fallout 3. Fallout 3 doesn't really have the levity or the, um, in some ways, the freedom that Fallout 2 had. I mentioned earlier how in Fallout 2 you can play a slaver, you can play a porn star. It has the karma system, but you can pretty readily be a bad guy. Um, and there's a lot of side humor and little jokes throughout the game that a lot of people felt like the Fallout 3 atmosphere didn't have, and that it was very dour and dark. A lot of the environments yeah. looked the same as, as each other. There was, you know, there was the blasted house, and then there was like a bunch of blasted houses. Um, that's something Wasteland did a little bit better, is that they have a, a big variety that have overgrowth as well. Um, but also that it just it didn't have as much of the atmosphere. Now, New Vegas, I think, did. It brought some of the levity back, had some jokes. Um, and also, something to point out is that Fallout 2 was a very open-ended game that you could choose where you went and what order, um, and there was a lot of stuff you could do. Yeah, and, yeah. And, like, and like keep in mind, too, that like for Fallout 3, New Vegas, and 4, they, they give you the sense of the open world, but let's face it, you could be a level 3 vault dweller and actually wander into the to a den of locations where there's literally nothing but super mutants and death claws for miles around. I don't care what you're equipped with, you're dying. There's definitely some some like do not enter until you are better geared locations. Yeah, I mean that that being said, and uh, I think Rich was just I'm I'm on the same frequency as Rich because my one of my issues with Fallout in terms of uh, difficulty or strategy or whatever else. In Fallout 4, the first thing I did, rather than following the storyline, which as I've mentioned in past episodes, just didn't really grab me all that much uh, because I don't know this Sean character. Sure, he's my baby, but I only met him for five minutes, then the world exploded and he got stolen. And I got like... I'm frozen. I'm uh, my brain's still thawing. Okay, so anyway, I wandered all the way south to the glowing sea, uh, past a couple death claws. Actually, a really cool moment I had in Fallout 4 was luring a death claw into the range of a super mutant behemoth because I could not take either of them, but they could take each other. And so they fought each other for like 30 minutes. I sat back and watched. Eventually the behemoth killed the Deathclaw. And then I had to do some uh, save state spamming to kill the uh, to kill the behemoth. Because he, w- he had like maybe one fifth of his health left. But anything that he did to me would kill me. Anyway... I got all the way to the bottom right corner, the s- southwest corner of Fallout 4. And keep in mind, you start in the north. Uh, 
Yeah, I got to the southeast corner, sorry, and you start in the northwest corner at, like, level 8 or something. It was absurd. Um, yeah, I, I traveled through the whole thing, and while I like that, I also... It was sort of hollow. I mean, I didn't really have as many experiences or encounters that that one stands out with the Deathclaw and the Behemoth because it was so dramatic and so like, oh shit, I just... I walked myself into a really bad situation, but other than that, I sort of just meandered around and found myself down there. I was kind of surprised by how easy it felt. So, I don't know where I was going on that, but... I think you're adding to the strength of Fallout that you can just wander through the wasteland and you can create your own story. You don't have to yeah any previous story quest. You, you can kind of write your own adventures and have your own experiences yeah I I'm, I do like that but in Fallout 3 it was just I don't know it was just a little or Fallout 4 it was a little there was not enough that was diverse and interesting I just sort of went because I was literally not interested in anything else except exploring like I felt like the story took a huge hit after playing New Vegas for ages and having my expectations jacked so high. Um, but yeah, that this is uh, another question I had. Um, well, what is just the worst, as far as you're concerned, in terms of the Fallout s series? And either it's the mechanics or the... You know, I we're celebrating the 20 years, so don't get me wrong. I love the series and all of that, but everyone has a beef with everything, you know, with something, right? So anyone have an issue before we go to a break? Because we're going to do a little break in about eight minutes, maybe a little, maybe a little after. I don't want you guys getting too parched. So anyone just have something they hate? I, I think me personally... I hate the fact that Bethesda's used the same engine for like seven games in a row now. Please, for the love of God, make a goddamn new engine. Well, they revamped the Game Embryo engine for Fallout 4, did they not? I mean, it's very similar. Yeah, but similar, it still looks... But... It, I'm sorry. Yeah. You, you can say that you revamped it. All you did was just apply HD textures. Like that, That's not the same. You still have the noodle physics that you do as flipping Fallout well, 3. The movement is hugely different, though, too. Like, I noticed when I played Fallout 4, in 3 and New Vegas, you sort of just glide over the ground. In 4, it seems more like you're walking. But it's still, you know, I don't know. Um, Rich, are you saying nah because you don't have anything you dislike, or nah because you disagree with Ron? I, I was disagreeing with the uh, the nothing changed in the engine. Um, and the difference between Fallout 3 and Fallout 4 or New Vegas, you can see your character's face <laughs> uh, outside of character creation, which is the first five minutes of the game. Um, you can you see your face in most of the cutscenes. Granted, sometimes you're wearing power armor and you just see the same power armor mask, but I mean, there were noticeably some very impressive changes. And I feel like just, just being able to see the character face is a big enough one in and of itself. Yeah, with conversation. 
Yeah. They also did voice acting for your main character, which is a good thing and a bad thing. It's a good thing because who doesn't want to hear their character talk, I guess. But it's a bad thing because in order to do that, they simplified the dialogue choices down to four sort of -of run-of-the-mill generic yes, no, I don't know about this, and then I'm a sarcastic dickbag. The Bioware dialogue wheel of death. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Which, yeah, which really, they're having played New Vegas where you can really consider your conversational interactions for 10 minutes before making one entry. I'm exaggerating, but not by much. You know, you really got to think about what you say and they let you know what it is that you are going to say rather than just like a a sort of generic um, yes. summary of it. I really but, hated that change, although the voice acting is nice. But I will say that during those ten minutes of intense decision-making, the NPC stares blankly at your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just I mean, wait. but in, in that regard, it's more like the dynamics of the... Uh, the uh, top-down games where, you know, things pause when you're talking and all that. Anyway, Dylan? Yeah, in those games, you're lucky to have a portrait looking back at you, let alone someone's animated, gormless, expressionless face. So, yeah, yeah I thought of, Yeah. So, and Fallout 4 is probably my least favorite game of the group, but and there's two things I can think of that annoyed me about it. The first is I didn't like the ending, where your main choices are blow up a bunch of innocent people or blow up a bunch of innocent people. But we'll probably get back to that. Um, but one thing I remembered is about Fallout 4 that was hilarious but also really annoying is that the enemies had the ability to sense you from a ridiculous distance away. Oh, yeah. And didn't realize that there was no way for them to get to you. I remember I, there'd be someone like two blocks away yelling, Stop hiding, you coward! I'm like, there's two buildings and three walls between us. Um, <laughs> and I'd be like desperately trying to search on the minimap to figure out where this super mutant was yelling at me from. Yeah, and it turns out he's on the roof like a mile and a half away. <laughs> yeah, I know. They'll just like shoot at you, attempt to shoot through walls, and just never let up about how much of a coward you are for not facing him three floors away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was fun. I remember that. Um, I, I think one of the things that I dislike about the Fallout series in general is just that okay, yes. Nuclear Fallout and the subsequent nuclear winters would have would have killed off a lot of plant life. Uh, the Chernobyl point, argument? But, this, but at this point in time, 200 years have passed. There would be some plant growth by now. Yeah, if you yeah. look at Chernobyl, it's all overgrown. That's what it looks yeah. like. Yeah, like, Chernobyl's all overgrown. Now, granted, that that's not a full nuclear disaster. That, I mean, it's a nuclear, it's nuclear disaster, but it's not, it's not a place where a, a literal bomb got dropped on it. Yeah, let... Let me put it this way, because when I was in Japan, I visited the Hiroshima Monument, and one of the plaques said it has a picture of a plant growing from, you know, the absolutely ruined earth, and it says, in November, I'm paraphrasing, but in November, where it was said that no plants would grow for hundreds of years, you know, the first blossom of life returned it was like yeah. months it was only yeah. months I, later. I, I, i'm like i'm like okay i can understand that like 
if every single nuclear bomb got fired, and there's a fucking ton of nuclear bombs in the world. Yes, I understand that. That, like, blowing up the entire United States and China and, like, the rest of the world, I can see that happening. You can't tell me that nature, as Bree slash Rich said, like, there's no, as, as fucking Jurassic Park puts it, life finds a way. Like, there's no way that, 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 okay, we, we know that there are irradiated cows because we have the, the vice, the, the Brahmin, the Brahmin, we have the two headed cows that apparently like everyone lives off of because holy fucking shit, they the only source of protein in the goddamn wasteland. Yeah. And um, I mean, dogs and cats are perfectly fine somehow. Yeah. And it's just like, you can't tell me that. There wouldn't be some plant growth that's not that that isn't restricted to plants coming out of a vault. Like, sure, yeah. there's some trees in like um, I believe in New Vegas you do see some like pine trees growing, but that's usually like that was in the north, away from like the main fallout zones of the of where the bombs got dropped. Yeah. So like you do see some greenery, but like yeah, up in the mountains. Yeah. Like, you can't tell me after 200 years, like, hell, I would argue that probably after 200 years, that it would look more akin to the the jungles of Africa than it would the, than it would uh, a, an irradiated wasteland like it is right now. Yeah, I mean, the aesthetic is, is what they're going for, and yeah. I guess they sort of locked themselves in a bit. Yeah. But, uh, also, also to, 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 as you mentioned, the aesthetic, like Fallout Three, color palette or lack thereof, so like, gray. It, it, so, so there gray. is so much. It, it is ninety percent of Fallout Three is a various shade of gray or various tints of green. There yeah, is there's some no brown. difference. Yeah. There, okay. There is some brown too, <laughs> but like, like gray, a tinted green for radiation or brown. There is literally almost no other color in that game. Yeah, uh, and the nights are way not dark enough. But we'll talk about that more after the break when we, I hope, get to dive in a little bit to the world of modding. One of the things that has made Fallout and the series particularly fun, for me at least, and I know a lot of other people as well, is being able to experience other people's or make their own uh, takes on the wasteland and and bringing in things that really should have been there to begin with or adding just absolutely crazy things um, into the wasteland. And we will talk about that soon when we return from the break. But for now, kiddos, I got some sweet, sweet music for you to listen to. He's hacking and whacking and smacking. 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 He's
Welcome back. Uh, we are still here, except for Bree, who had to make a new vault for a sentient family of death claws. Don't ask. You don't really want to know. But if you ever find yourself looking at a sign for Vault 625, just keep on walking. Don't investigate. All right. So, um... Before we left, before we left to listen to some sweet, sweet music, uh, we were talking about why Fallout is just the worst, but also why it's the best, or somewhere <laughs> in between. Um, and during the break, Dylan was uh, giving us some information about radiation, and lay it on us, Dylan. Maybe it's wrong, maybe it's right. You you tell us. I'm if, pretty sure it's if you're right. wrong. I'm sure the internet will be forgiving and understanding. Yeah, it's the internet is known for that. So I worked in a nuclear pharmacy for six weeks. So I know that radiation does not look like anything. It's actually a huge problem. However, there are ways to detect radiation, and I think that the reason that radiation is usually depicted as greed is because of radium dials on watches. So in the 1950s, in order to make watch hands glow, they would have a paint that had um, radium-226 in it. And while the radium didn't glow, it did provide enough energy to the um, radioluminescent paint for it to glow, and that was green. Oh. So now we think of radiation as green. Radiation is not green, but it can make other things glow green. That sounds right that to me. Pretty cool. Makes sense. I'll accept that as fact, yeah. Yeah. Well, it is fact. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure that's why Hollywood and other things have decided that radiation must be green. That part is the connection I don't 100% have, but radium yeah, dials I, are green, so I think that makes sense. Yeah, I was going to say, radiation's not green, it's not visible because it's above the visual spectrum, so there is no color for it. Right. That's part, of, that's part of the reason why there's always like that issue within like a nuclear power plant because like you can't tell if there's a radioactive radioactively going on. Like everything looks to be normal. Why is a siren going off? Oh no, wait, all my hair's falling falling out. Oh no, I'm dead. Yeah, they made us uh, scan our hands and feet before we left every room to make sure we hadn't gotten anything on us. Yeah, because oh, wow. it only happened to me once. So I was all good. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but like that, that that's part of the reason why like radiation is such a dangerous thing. It's just like, yeah. yes, because you're literally bombarding yourself with highly active particles that are relatively unstable. 
Well, I guess my introduction of Dylan was accurate when I called him a ghoul. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, it's also a little little fallout lore. Is so I've been kind of figuring out like some of the other di- diversion points points of like how did the fallout universe differ from our universe? Apparently, this this might also explain a couple things. Apparently, in the fallout universe, they never progressed higher up the 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 uh, elemental the elemental table. They just stuck to the atom bomb. They never made. Uh, hydrogen bombs or thermonuclear or thermonuclear bombs. Huh. So everything that got dropped on people was the same thing that got dropped on people in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So they just had to use a ton of them. Yeah. So there was literally just a ton of them. Huh. Which is surprising, given the Fallout universe's desire to further empower and miniaturize the usage of. Um, nuclear physical fuel. So it's just like, huh? So, but then it goes back to the point we had to be in the last of the of the first half. Of then, why is there no fucking plant growth? And that is perfect to transition into the wonderful world of modding, which I've really enjoyed as an addition to. Fallout 3, New Vegas, and 4. Although I guess I didn't experience it for 3, because I played 3 on the PlayStation like a fool. So, um. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, but yeah, I actually played New Vegas on the console as well, but then I went back and I played it all over again, because again, the story is so good compared to the other ones um and there's so many diverging paths and it's just a more enjoyable experience so i was like yeah i'll play the entire game over again but this time i'll play it on a computer even though it was a 2009 laptop it still did the trick and that was my first exposure to mods and new vegas was great because uh, Josh Sawyer, who was one of the developers from Obsidian, like the lead developer, I think, um, he made his own mod pack for New Vegas, uh, featuring like gameplay tweaks and difficulty improvements and mechanic changes that weren't like officially sanctioned by Bethesda, but made the game survival and all of that that much more compelling and engrossing um i mean that just right off the bat knowing that oh look you know even the people who made the game are out here saying here let's make this game better was pretty cool but then you you get a wide variety of storylines and and um armor and weapons and things that just are not in the original game and of course there's horrible mods as well but we don't necessarily have to go into that but i can i can summarize that by saying for some reason you need nazi costumes in the wasteland (laughs) why not (laughs) it's your world it's it's your role play Do, do what you want I mean, part of it. I mean, part of it is just due to the ease and the, the the PC community in general, where it's like, well, I have access to all the files. 
Yeah. Why would I not tweak them to make them run better? Why would I not tweak them to, to look different? Are you saying all the computer people are Nazis? No, I'm saying all the computer people love to experiment. I know, I was just messing with you. Uh, but yeah, yeah I mean, it's... Yeah, I, I certainly don't think that... Full disclosure, I do not think that PC gamers are Nazis, because I myself am a PC gamer. Um, and I'm not a Nazi. So... <clears throat> But yeah, it, it is really cool being able to see that they take apart, you know, resources from the game and, and reallocate them in a way that can make it better. Fallout 4, there are just about a million um, grass mods and environment mods to make the place a little more, like Ron was saying, completely overgrown. There are some where the greenery is so thick you can't even see someone like you know within firing range of you which can be a little problematic but it's also probably a little more accurate yeah and it's like and that's one of the things that makes the modding community such an interesting thing in general is just like yeah you can definitely have like some like balance fixes and in some cases you can make an entirely new game with the same engine too if you spend yeah. enough time and uh, an effort on it, excuse me, and you spend enough time and effort on it, but like, but then you have what Bethesda is currently doing with how they're handling the mining community with their Bethesda mods, creation club, mod, yeah, creation club thing. I'm just like, I understand that you guys want our business and you want to make money, but you can't force people to put their mods on on a on a thing to then milk the money from those people's money from from those people's Partly. efforts yeah. yeah well i mean i don't think it's mandatory the creation club is sort of like supplemental is it not i, I don't remember exactly how they they, they worded it but uh, it, it, in either case i just don't agree with that them Try to profit I, I, off of it. Well, I, I certainly think that their implementation has been just shy of disastrous. But, I mean, at least they didn't say, oh, well, we're blocking all, you know, modded content from Nexus mods and no, all please, that other no, stuff. No, please, please say that, because that just, that just further encourages the modding community to actually make things. Right, but, I mean, like, they, they haven't done that, which is good. They haven't, like come up with a a ban for that or anything and i do like the fact that they're trying to get more mods distributed to consoles not that i play the game on consoles anymore but you know it's nice to give them a taste of what they're missing out if for no other reason than to say like look your game could be so much better than it is you know um to the pc folks uh uh, to, to the console folks from the PC folks, I mean. But um, there's there's also the issue of weapon mods in the game, but that's a different story, and I was thinking maybe I'd talk about that a little later. But uh, instead, I'll talk about it now, because uh, one of 
one really fun mod for Fallout 4 was called Mod Anything. Uh, I think it's called Mod Anything. Anyway, the point is, um, with... No, it's called Any Mod, Any Weapon. And if you have the resources, you can attach any mod that applies to any weapon in the game on any weapon in the game. So, whereas you'd normally have, you know, the pretty standard improvements on a 9mm pistol or whatever, or a 10mm pistol, where it just has a better scope and, you know, longer barrel and whatever else. What I did was I made this Frankensteinian beast of a gun that's got like a sniper scope on it. It's got this massive bayonet that's like, it. I don't know, it just looks like a rusty nail spike or something horrifying. Um, it's It's got what looks like a little super soaker tank underneath the, uh, underneath the chamber and all sorts of stuff. And I just, and it also shoots um, flaming bullets, and I call it the motherfucker. Um, and that would not have been possible without having the mods on uh, having mods on Fallout 4, so that I could expand my in-game modding capability for weapons and armor and such. So that was pretty cool for me. That's just one of the things that modding opened up that. And of course, you always have things like um, licensed characters end up getting stolen and then used as resources for Fallout and stuff. So you can have Darth Vader outfits and and things like that that have been ripped straight from Star Wars Battlefront 2 or whatever. Um, but those are not officially... They're not hosted on the Nexus they're obviously not hosted by the creation club or anything like that but you know it, it's really cool that you can add that sort of custom flavor to the game because i'm a big fan of customization yeah that's understandable there's just you want to play the game as as you see it uh it makes sense um I, I know for me, I've never really delved into the modding just because I I don't really want to spend the time to like, get it to work. I have more than enough fun playing the base game as is. Yeah. Um, there's usually, usually a lot to do in the base game too, so just it's like why yeah. Why would I want to? Have it's any not like the this? games are short. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, so I get that. But there are some... New Vegas, again, was my best experience modding personally because um, there's a, a string of quest, uh, quest, lines, quest line mods called New Vegas Bounties and a couple others by the same maker. They're just really in-depth. They give you a few different ways to solve each bounty, and what it and you find yourself in a number of situations that are like, you know, base game level of of quality and and detail. It's not like someone just shambled a couple of fetch quests 
together. Basically, you, you're uh, prescripted into this bounty hunting agency where you're as either assassinating people or occasionally there's workarounds where you can get, you know, like the evidence that you killed them, like, oh, bring back his necklace or whatever. You can get his necklace without killing him, uh, I think, for a couple instances. Um, but, but you, uh, what am I trying to say? Oh, yeah. So you, you can find yourself hunting down this person and you think you're going, you know, you're tough shit. You're going to walk right in and, and knock this guy out. But then you realize it's a trap and you end up getting arrested and you have to con your way out and get your stuff back. And it really was built in such a way that you had to think more than just you know, jumping in, shooting him, taking back his bounty, you know, and getting money. Uh, and so there are some mods out there that are really cool like that. There's also weather mods to make it look like the sky is raining fire and and cool things like that. And obviously absolute abominations of uh, monsters. And in Fallout 4... There's one that allows you to play the entire game completely differently. This is what you were speaking to a little bit of earlier, Ron, where everyone that you know is dead or irradiated. Um, you play the game through, I can't remember what it's called. I think it's Fear. Maybe it's not Fallout 4 Fear. I could be wrong. Anyway, the point is um, all the people... All the characters and quests and whatever else are dead and gone, and you're fighting through as essentially a survival simulator where occasionally you'll run into hordes of ghouls and and things like that, and you're scavenging. And I have not played that, but it sounds pretty cool, and it it really looks like you're playing a completely different game, but it's all built on the same engine, which is a testament to how dedicated some of these people can be when they're making this stuff so yeah and it's just like i it's it's always been a benefit of pc gaming in general like i said for by the that the mining community exists it's just i i feel like there are certain games that my community gets hung up on and fallout the fallout series in general is probably one of them yeah and I'm grateful for it because it it's just it's a nice option to have anyway um, but yeah I mean Rich and Dylan I guess you guys have you done any modding at all um, uh, there have been games I I did a lot of well obviously I didn't make the mods myself but that I've installed a lot of mods for um, most of these are pretty old games, though. Back in high school, I had a lot of mods for Freedom Force. If anyone's ever played that game, I also had one for the, some for the Dawn of War series. But um, I really didn't do that much for Fallout Three. Maybe some Space Marine armors or something like that. But I really didn't get that into it. Gotcha. I uh, I, I had a I was cruising the store and found two very necessary mods that I just had to install. Uh, the first one was Silent Power Generators. I feel like that was just, I had to have it, because you build a base full of laser turrets and there's just this constant hum of power Gotcha. Generator. 
Yeah. Uh, one uh, is uh, Busty. It gives all the women of the Wasteland giant breasts. So and you just had to have that? Had to have them. Yeah. Green eyes. Had to have. Yep. Yep. Does that. Did, okay. So, so serious question here. Yeah. Does this also include the ghouls? Oh, yes. Absolutely. Oh, God. No, thank you. Oh, no, no. No, thank you. For all PlayStation. <laughs> Because I mean, granted, those are the only two out of three mods that exist for PlayStation Four. Oh, <laughs> um, just, just like uh, uh, I'm sure just... there are more, but I haven't found. I haven't. I haven't found them. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I I like being able to have like in on the PC they have uh, I believe it's called Caliente's Beautiful Body Extender or something like that, and it. All I know is it's a, it's abbreviated to CBBE, and well, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of making everyone Chesty Larue or anything. Um, Dylan will get that reference. Um, <laughs> I'm not interested in doing that so much as I am making it so that not every single person looks exactly the same as every other person. Because they all have the exact same body type, and with some of these mods, you can get a little more diversity as far as what these characters actually end up looking like. And also just with the NPC character generation, there are some mods that allow uh, people to come in with different, you know, a wider variety of skin tone and hair choices and and facial features, so it's not like, I could have sworn I had this conversation with you, you know, over in, uh, over in Concord, but you're, this is a totally different person somehow, even though they look identical. It doesn't happen as much with this, uh, with some of these NPC, uh, diversity mods, which is really good, and I just, I like, I like, having the illusion of this world be a little more fully fleshed out than running into the same, you know, 10 NPCs everywhere you go. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I agree. Like, sir, I, I would think that the, some body types would look similar just to more so due to lack of proper, like, nourishment. So, like, I'm sure everyone. I'm sure everyone in the Fallen universe is like five foot five or five foot six or something like that, just because they have the protein, but they don't necessarily have the the rest of the the nutrients needed to have a fully grown adult that's properly nourished from from childhood. Yeah. Um. So it's just like I don't. I don't really get why most of the people walking through the wasteland are also white. Yeah. They do have, Bethesda does have to maintain a certain level of, you know, this is a game. Because if it were too realistic, it would be unplayable. You could also mention that everyone in the Fallout universe speaks almost perfect English. Like, for, for uh, 200 years of no education, no public education, people sure do talk very... Very, very well, well, yeah. Yeah, that is true. Um... But yeah, I mean, like, yeah, there's there certainly should be some more. I don't know. I maybe Rich, you as a coder or a 
burgeoning game designer could speak more to this, but I feel like it wouldn't be too hard for them to have a little more, uh, a little wider spectrum of diversity or or character. Um, well, that, that just comes character down to type. Like, like if if you can if you can fake you know a feature in less time than actually building the feature, it's it's usually more economic to. Right, but I mean, this is something that the mod for the NPC generator shift was like six kilobytes. I kid you not. It's literally like five lines of script. Oh. So I, it just makes me wonder why they couldn't... I mean, you look at uh, New Vegas is a fair amount more diverse than Boston, and perhaps that's just the setting, but... You know, it's just, I don't know, obviously in New Vegas, everyone's face looks like the same, uh, you know, claymation nightmare. Um, But there's, I mean, even going down to your own character design, obviously it's a little weird to have a character who is like, you know, solid blue skinned or red skinned or something like that. But you could do that in New Vegas. I'm pretty sure that wasn't only a mod that I had. Um, you, there was a wider variety of skin tones, even in your own character creation, than there were in New in Fallout 4. But I don't want to go too. I don't want to spend too much time on that, especially because Rich, I know your time is limited. Um, I have until the hour. Yeah, okay, well, I wanted to get into the settlement system in Fallout 4 and ask whether you think that's a fun addition or whether it's more like a nuisance that breaks your immersion in the world. Um, if, if no one minds, I, I, I'll start it. Um, I like that Fallout 4 gives you a hundred ways to play the game. You can play it you know, where you're stealth melee all the way through, you can play it loud and obnoxious with guns, you can find, like, you, you can play the game your way. You, you cannot even fight and just talk your way through. Um, in so Fallout 4? Yeah, yeah. Well, in, uh, in most, but in Fallout 4, like, so in the settlements, it's another way that, like, you don't have to, you know, go save your baby. You can just put get a foothold in the civilization and you can, you know, you can build your own base of operations that you work out of. And it, right. I do like that it kind of gives, you don't have to do it. You can just use a, you know, you can build one bucket and put all your stuff in the bucket and that's all you ever have to go back to. Or you can have it a hustling, bustling, you know, crops and machinery and laser defenses. Yeah, You don't have to spend time on it to be good at the game. and But it does offer a deep well of time that you can spend customizing and building and, and it's all within the same game, too. Yeah, I mean, you've always been able to shirk your uh, main storyline responsibilities and just do whatever you wanted in uh, in three New Vegas and four uh, in the Bethesda era games, but the settlements give you more options, right? It's such a different gameplay, like a different style of play. Like, I mean, instead of, you can go explore that way and either shoot or talk to that thing, or you can go pick up the thing, but Settlements is the first time that you could actually put something in place. Like, you know, you could pick up items and make little stacks, but 
as far as a mechanic like like the game, you could spend you know an entire day building a house or building a fortress. Yeah. And that has nothing to do with go here and pick that up, or go here and shoot that, or go here and see what's there. It's you're you can I, still yeah. find time within a few hundred square miles. Or yeah, I, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you. I'm just I was just asking some questions, and I do think personally, even though I my my uh, settlement attempts just look like absolute disasters. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. It looked like maybe a like a ten year old's idea of a settlement building. Um, <laughs> there's like things plastered all over the place. Um, Pay attention, you'll catch a, a loose wire around the throat. Yeah, uh, I mean, in one regard, that's fun, but you know, I want and, and I will not downplay how cool it is to feel like you're establishing yourself and building your own presence in the wasteland but i wonder whether because the way you said it um you don't just go and fetch and shoot people and whatever else um anymore i i personally felt like fallout 4 had the least solution options in terms of a lot of their quests and dylan i think you were talking about this earlier so if you want to chime in, feel free to do so at any time. But I, I, I wonder whether they spent so much time adding this settlement development and not focusing as much on the role-playing, uh, problem-solving aspect of their quest lines. Because I really... I can think of a, a good number of quest lines in New Vegas, especially even the main quest at the end with the five factions that you can choose to side with and what you can choose to do about the other factions, um, where your ability for choice is so much broader than a lot of the quests in Fallout 4, which just seemed to be, oh yeah, here's a bunch of bad people, go wipe them out, or, you know, like, please don't shoot me, I'm a good person, uh, come with me. Oh, psych, I'm actually a bad person and you're in an ambush, which is like 90% of the quests that I came across in Fallout 4. We're mo you're probably playing the settlement quests, and those are very much geared to be re repetitive, mm -hmm. that you never run out of, that just continually regenerate. It's just their way to... Yeah, but I mean, I didn't do quests. all that many settlement quests because they were so boring, and boring because yeah, Preston yeah. Garvey can shut up. Um, but I mean, I, I did a number of quests that, and stumbled upon a number of areas that were just sort of the same. There's even, I'm pretty sure I ended up in two supposedly distinct underground areas that ended up being practically the same. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. Yeah, there were, there, I, like, there were three different people that could send you to go clear out the uh, the Corvette factory. You know, the Corvette factory. Yeah, yeah. I felt like they there was a little more sloppy quest design, and I don't know whether that was because they allocated their resources to settlement development or what the story was. Um, well, I'd imagine coming from a game design perspective, they made that. The, the choice to have the four dialogue options 
very early in development, so that yeah, you, that that seemed to be a very core mechanic was that you could be one of four different personalities essentially. So they would have had to be. Part, there's only one, maybe maybe a couple extra, maybe one to five different ways to solve a quest. Well, not even then, probably less. But um, yeah, the quest solving had to revolve around that limitation. Yeah, but I mean, unfortunately. I think that the story or the storyline for the individual quests a lot of the times ends up suffering. I mean, I watched, I was watching a video the other day on the White Glove Society quest from New Vegas and looking at how many different ways there are to solve that. Um, That's not some context. Uh, What was that quest kind of like? Uh, yeah, I was about to get in that. Um, basically, the White Glove Society is a group of people who run a hotel in New Vegas, and they had a history of cannibalism, but they had just recently been under new management of this person who's like, yeah, no, we're not a can- we're not cannibals anymore, blah blah blah. But behind the scenes, there were still people who were engaging in cannibalism. And and they had just recently kidnapped this uh, teenager. And you can come across this quest a number of different ways. You can run into the father of that teenager who's like, can you find my boy? I think his name is Gunderson. I could be wrong. Um, you could run into the people at the Super Lux or the U- Ultra Lux, which is the name of the place where the White Glove Society is. Um and they're talking about how, you know, people are getting sick on the meat or whatever else. Or, you know, there's like, there's four different points of entry on the quest, but they're all like directly invested in it. You can choose to save Teddy Gunderson. You can kill Teddy Gunderson and offer his meat for dinner. You know, you can you can side with the new proprietor of the Ultra Lux. You can side with the old guard who want to return to cannibalism. And meanwhile, the White Glove Society are a bunch of like masquerade-looking wackadoos who, you know, will start running at you if you if you get on their bad side. And it's just I don't know, it's just like so many different options that you can take. You can solve it with diplomacy, you can solve it with sacrificing a character um for your benefit you can even offer up one of your followers as a replacement for teddy gunderson wow. i believe yeah i mean it's options than the press triangle to ask questions exactly i mean it's it's got a depth that i really missed having played so much of fallout new vegas like i said i played that game twice i played it more than any of the other ones I really felt that absence in Fallout 4. And Dylan, you were saying something about the end storyline for Fallout 4 that really frustrated you. And I think that, that if you would like to elaborate on that, um, that would also help us contrast it with New Vegas, which again I see as you know a shining example of what the Bethesda games could be. Well, sure. Um, I played it I played it when it first came out, and I haven't played it since then. So I don't remember too 
too perfectly, but I remember, you know, there were the factions, right? There's the Brotherhood of Steel, there was the Settlements, there was the Secret Society. I'm sorry, I can't remember the names. Um, and, you know, for the final mission, you had to pick one of them, but I didn't really like any of them. And they all pretty much totally populated by jerks. So I, I felt in like New Vegas or in uh, four? the end of Fallout 4. Oh, Fallout, yeah, yeah, I hear you there. Yeah, I was like, the ending is like, I don't want to work with any of these assholes. Like, they're all extremists in their own right. Yeah, they're like, yeah. so you want to nuke this building? I'm like, no. I'm like, how about we shoot these kids as they run away? I'm like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't. I remember, like, if you storm the scientist building, there's all these unarmed scientists running around, and your allies just gun them down. I'm like, okay, I have killed a lot of people in this game, but I don't think I killed anyone who's running away from me unarmed. Yeah. Uh, now, so I just want to go back a little bit and talk about the settlements. Um, and also talk about the ending of Fallout 1. So, spoiler alert, at the ending of the first Fallout game, you bring the water chip back, and the overseer tells you that you've changed too much from being in the wasteland, and you'd be a disruptive influence, and you can't come back to your vault. Yeah, and it's hmm. a heartbreaking ending. It was, it was a heartbreaking ending, but it was a great ending, because I was like, yeah, I guess I kind of see where you're coming from. Um, <laughs> I did murder a thousand people, or... Yeah. No, you, yeah, possible. like, you... You set off a nuke. Like, I did some bad stuff. But just imagine what your character looks like compared to the clean people who have access to showers. Um, yeah. And I'm wearing this, like, broken they armor. They have indoor plumbing. You probably have a tan. I a probably bit. have a, a wicked tan. <laughs> they have indoor plumbing in the vaults. So it's like... So in Fallout 4, so one thing that I really like in Fallout 1, and this might sound a little weird, is I like the feeling of loneliness and isolation. The fact that you're alone in this incredibly unfamiliar world, and you grew up in a vault, yeah. you're not used to this kind of thing. And this is, like, new and scary. And so when I played Fallout 4, I actually didn't like to bring the companions with me because they kind of broke that sensation when there was this guy following me around making quips. I brought the dog. The yeah. dog was okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, Fallout 3, I thought, did a decent job of that loneliness. I mean, you're the lone wanderer, but yeah, go on. Uh, yeah, I think Fallout 3 and New Vegas did a great job with that. And the settlements really ruined that. When I have this home base with people in it who are constantly asking me for crap. Now, the same thing, that's an individual thing. Some people don't want that. Some people like to build up settlements, like to see they're making progress and reshaping the world. So I don't actually think the settlement system is bad. I just think it's not for me. So when I play yeah, the game, I do nice it as little as possible. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I'd say about that. It's not required. Right, which I'm glad. Other than the initial few missions. I do like having a home base, but I picked the, that gas station where people would just leave me alone. Nice. <laughs> to, to be fair, mo I think most people picked either the gas station or the Sunset Hill, wherever that, that the starring town is. Yeah. Where you come out of Vault 112, whatever it is. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Yeah, 111. Just because of the fact that, like, they're the first two places you can build a settlement at, and they're like, so I can either pick this place where I where my character grew up and had a family already before the bombs fell, or I can pick the gas station down the road, which has access to a power armor suit. Yeah, that was a real deal breaker. Yeah. You know, it occurs to me now, even, I mean, they probably could have left Codsworth alive, but I think what they should have done was just completely destroyed Sanctuary because that would have... Part of my problem with Fallout 4, and I've said this a hundred times at this point, but I'll say it one more time, is how little investment I felt in the main storyline. Because, yeah, it's sad. If, if you want to, you know, really empathize with your character that you just made... It's sad to imagine being in that situation, 
but they don't give you enough time to really experience having gone through that um, and and witnessing your spouse getting killed and your kid stolen in a way that really touches a, a nerve that that feels like it was well written or, or genuine, at least from my experience. And and then being able to crawl out of that vault and go right back to your house and sure it's fucked up, but it's still your hometown. I think they that it would have made a huge change to the narrative if your hometown was completely leveled and you couldn't even build on it for a while and you had to go out and try to find a new place, I think that would both increase your le- increase my investment in, eventual- in eventually building a settlement, A, and B, increase my investment in finding <clears throat> the one thing that does still connect me to my pre-war self, which is Sean, I guess. Yeah, if that were the only thing connecting you to the pre-world. Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, it, 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 gravity. Yeah, like the, the the idea of you being literally the last pre-war human being left alive and you got time shunted forward, or in this case, stuck in a freezer for 200 years. Yeah. Like, that that's an interesting concept because <laughs> then, then you now yeah. have someone who literally grew up under, like, literally running from literally running to the vault as the bombs are falling and then gets wakes up 200 years later is like what the fuck just happened all in like 15 minutes of gameplay too yeah yeah it was not enough very gratuitous scene yeah Yeah. i i love the scene but i wish that it had given me more time first this is just my opinion i would have loved to have spent the first couple hours yeah playing through like Doing some of these like story chain, like some some of these like lead seeing up into Boston the bomb ball. not exploded. Yeah. Exactly. Not just looking out a window and seeing no explosions. Yeah, like like say like say for example, you're going yeah, down. I mean, that would have been that would have taken a lot of resources to do. But even even an hour of investment would have changed things greatly. I think. Yeah, like, like just just for a second, imagine that like. You're going into downtown Boston to go meet with your 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 spouse while you're playing as the guy or the girl because I think the girl's a lawyer and the guy's a a retired war vet, something so, like that. Yeah, and like you're 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 going downtown Boston either either as the wife and and being the lawyer, or you're going downtown for a daytime lunch meeting with the wife, and like just just talking about like the various situations of going on of like uh, about things that are occurring in a a quote-unquote normal day of boston and then like fast forward a few few years later and then you just like you're now moved out of boston proper into sanctuary with a brand new kid and then the bombs fall like yeah and the, I feel that, like that would, would that would pull me into the story a lot better than just a salesman coming to my door. Yeah, and because it it's literally because it's literally like you. Correct me if I'm wrong on this. Fall four begins with you looking in the mirror, doing your character creation as though you're just like got out of the shower. Yep. And then you go 
talk to the wife and talk to Cosworth and like check on check on the baby. And then the vault salesman shows up and says like, "Hey, I'm the vault salesman. You guys just recently signed up for a vault thing for if if a bomb should fall, ha 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 ha. Like that's never gonna happen. But seriously, if it does happen, you you know your family's safe. It's like life insurance that you you're probably not not ever gonna use. But if it does come in handy, that an old dear guy is it really handy? Just fill out this little questionnaire form for us, then we'll be good to go." And like not literally two seconds after you fill out said questionnaire, the news broadcast goes on where the bombs are have started falling, and it's just like that such that sudden disconnect of it's like very contrived. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> if they had spent like the first half hour or first hour of the very first playthrough. And and then like for subsequent playthroughs, if you want to skip through that, you can just go to, you can have the, have a little option ticked of like, do you want to skip to the wake up scene where you wake up, yeah, out of, out of the the freezer, and just go like, well, where am I? What's going on? And then start trying to like flashback recall and pick those like two or three dialogue choice options. That would be cool need. to have different origin stories. Yeah, that's what I was yeah. thinking. It's like having it be different origin stories. It's like, say for one playthrough, you play as the wife, and then your 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 origin story is like, I'm the wife. I'm the I'm the last lawyer in the wasteland, <laughs> and just like I'm gonna sue my way through all of this bullshit. And by justice sue, is made with a left. gun, Ron. Justice is a gun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I am judge, jury, executioner. Oh wait, sorry, that's that's a, that's the Batman character, wrong person. Uh, but like, say for one place, you you go through as the wife, and like you're the lawyer, and you're trying to struggle and survive with this like gun technology. Sure, you're, you're great in a social situation, but for an actual combat, you're kind of shit for the first few levels. I mean, you kind of make that yourself with the how you you spread your stats out. Yeah, but like. That's kind of yeah. how you make the. That's how you kind of add your own role play element to it. Like, yeah, like, I'm the person that sucks with guns, and then they have to either use stealth or talk. With yeah, and, and like, but at the same time, like, there's still probably a couple dialogue options that ends up influencing the game post post nuke. Like, maybe you go back to Boston, you go back to your old work, or you go back to your wife's work's place, and you're like, "Oh, well, what's left?" And like, maybe there's a couple hints of being like. Or, or and like you or uh, like of of what you guys did there, like maybe you did a, a an illicit like wife plus plus main character or main character plus husband like heart carving, and like in in, in a in a cement walkway, and two hundred years later that still survives in some like twisted fashion, and it's like even in even 200 years later after after the end of the world like there's still that 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 moment that connects you back to to the to that peaceful time yeah like, it's just like they could have done like a, a lot more different things to to really drive to make you more invested in the story and they just fail to do so yeah sure they kind of have to play that line between 
you know, is it, a, is it an open RPG where you make your own story and you do your own thing, or is it a story laid out before you where they give you all the direction and you have to play as this character, or you have to do this? And I think they all the games have kind of struggled with that, save for one, where, like, in the first one, you know, you're, you have to go out and get the water ship. Your whole goal is to save your city. Yeah. But the, only, the only game that didn't really give you an overarching sense, like, uh, altruistic end was uh, New Vegas, and that was just, some people tried to kill you, find them, and that was just kind of, you're, you're doing your own thing for yourself. Yeah, so, somebody, somebody put a bull in your hand and left you for dead, now now, go, yeah. now, now it's like, the... you know, go save the village, or go find water for the village, or yeah, you know, go find the Gek, or it's not, you know, uh, go find your dad and get water for the wasteland, it's, it's not, go find your baby, it's, you know, someone killed you, kill him back, or... Yeah. Or not, you don't even or have. Not. To. You know, it's yeah, exactly. someone's trying to kill you. You gotta kill them back. You can say fuck off. Yeah. Well, I now have a fresh start. I'm gonna do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah, and I, and I, that, I like that. That is a fair. I so, think that's another reason why New Vegas is so. Like they give you that option. They don't hold your hand and say, "Look, you have to do this." You know, in the way that they do somewhat in three, and they do a lot in four. Yeah, it's very contrived in four. It's very much you are the savior of the wasteland, bringing happiness and and, and wealth wherever you go, as opposed to I don't know, go go blow up, you know, good neighbor, whatever. <laughs> yeah, go uh, set off the megaton bomb. Yeah, why not? Yeah, uh, Rich, I know. Um... I know the rads are getting pretty bad over there, so you got to split, right? Yeah, I, I got I to go back to New Vegas and, uh, and see a man about a fortune that I lost. Okay, well, if you see Eddie, send him my way. All right. You got right. it. G-ball. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Have Take a good care. Day. All right. So, the party continues to dwindle like in any good RPG where you make mistakes and some of your characters are lost forever. Or they retire and go back to, and go back to the farm. Yeah, you know, however. So, <clears throat> the vaults. Let's talk about the vaults. Because, obviously, in, in a good handful of the games, you start in the vault. It's a good way, at least uh, Bethesda and... You know, the previous Black Isle Studios, perhaps as well, to some extent, see the vault as a good place for you to go through your tutorial stage of the game. Um, although, again, New Vegas is an exception to that rule. You don't start in a vault, but. Um, you don't start in one and fall out two either. You're a tribal. Yeah. So, one, three, and four all start in a vault, and the vaults that you start in, in. Three and four are boring vaults, I would argue. They're just sort of one you're just frozen for two hundred years, and the well, other you're just la di da. You've been, you know. I mean, I like the vaults. illusion. Yeah, yeah. So here's the thing I keep in mind is in the Fallout universe, the vaults are partially meant to actually protect people from the fall of the bombs. But they're also one giant social experiment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I was getting into. I was just saying, like, 
the vaults that you start in really are the exception to the rule. Yeah. Let's talk about how fucked up the other vaults are. Yeah. So like, so, so to just to briefly mention the, the, they have, I believe in fallout three, you do go to vault tech, which is located in DC. And they mention on one of the computers that, um, they got, they got paid to build what, 127 vaults. Like, uh, like, there's a ton. I don't know how many. But yeah. yeah, but they, they they got paid to to build like 100 some odd vaults, which would house like a, a fifth of the population, roughly, by the end of it all. But and 122. 122, yeah. So it's like, okay, so you now have 122 locations which are now going to be extremely isolated and extremely segregated from the rest of the population should should this event occur and for the people of Voltec they're like well we now have 122 cases of scientific experimentry that can go on here let's fuck around with it for a bit and I think they had said that I th- maybe a third of the vaults are actually built for the construction for the actual reasons that they were, you know, designed for where they would hold people in and for a hundred or 200 years before they would open up uh, uh, automatically to let people out and figure out, try and rebuild what's left of society. Yeah. But the rest of them are all fucking terrible places. Like yeah. well, 112, technically speaking was one of those vaults where it was, okay, we're going to take all these people, cryogenically freeze them, and then unleash them back on the world 20 years later to see what the fuck it has, how how um, a pre-war person survives in, in the new wasteland. Like, that's fucked up. Yeah, but it's certainly... Uh, Vault 111 is not as fucked up as Vault 112 with the virtual reality pods. Yeah. Right? Or you know, I... What uh, vault? Um, one of the vaults opened up ten years after. Yeah. Um, being closed. One of the vaults was. What was it? One. One like. One of the vaults was like a really weird, genetically weird thing. Um, well, I mean, one, one, one of the vaults is music where... that made people crazy. Yeah. Yeah. One of the vaults was the one that uh, gave rise to the super mutants, was it not? Yeah. There was a testing vault in... Was that the original Fallout? Yeah, Fallout, yeah. One, Fallout 1 had one of the vaults... Vault 27, I think? But it was one of the vaults in, in, in California where... Yeah, it's just called the LA vault. The Los Angeles yeah. vault. Yeah, so that where they were, they were testing a, a forced evolutionary virus... And the idea behind it was basically to to make humans better prepared for a, a radioactive wasteland should the bombs fall. Well, okay, good news it did work. Bad news it also stunted their intelligence and their uh, their willpower to the point where they became super mutants. Yeah. So, um... So yeah, I I just wanted to know if you guys had any favorite vaults or vaults that really stuck with you and why. You know, talk about which vault it was. 
I've got the list as well, so I can look up numbers. Yeah, I've got it open too. Um, well, you mentioned the most memorable one for me is is the same one you mentioned with the um, where you had to elect an overseer who would then be executed, and then at the end, it, yeah, and then at the end it turned out I think because you listen, you find a recording right, and it turns out that if you refuse, it would would it just let you go? Well, yeah the the premise of it was. Uh, I mean, the premise of all the vaults, for those of you who have been listening for two hours to the show but still are not entirely initiated in Fallout somehow, I don't know if there's any of you out there who are doing that, but if so, good on you. Um, the premise of the vaults, you know, partly the preservation of society, but also, like Ron was saying, these social experiments, but it's not just like social experiments without cause. The premise of the vaults, as far as vault tech said, although vault tech's a little shady, um, is that, okay, there's something wrong with society to the point that we're blowing ourselves up. Let's do all these experiments for a reason so that we can figure out what, what change we can make to society, um, what, what will work so that we don't repeat the same mistake. Of course, they go to these extremes, these extreme ideas, but the premise for 111, or the premise for Vault 11 was, look, we don't think that human beings are as barbaric as, as it turns out we are acting, dropping bombs on each other and whatever else. Here's an opportunity to prove that we will get Vault 11, we will give the Overseer the message that uh, he has to sacrifice himself um, for the good of the Vault to keep the life support going for the next year. And, you know, he'll just refuse that, uh, you know, the, the, the Vault dwellers will just refuse to sacrifice one of their own we will reward them by opening the vault back up. But of course, the panic of post-apocalyptic destruction and the distrust of, of, um, of any other option for survival, also coupled with the authority that Vault-Tec had over them, saying, look, look, this is what you have to do, led to 200 years of this ritual sacrifice every year where they had elections where people are basically like, don't elect me. I want to live. And besides, uh, Johnny Branderson is a, is a scumbag. You should sacrifice him. And where the irony is when, by the time you get there, they've all wiped each other out. Um, and the last handful of holdouts who weren't going to vote just you know, died at the entrance, never being able to escape. Um, and you go through and you get to the sacrifice chamber and you refuse. And it says, congratulations, you've passed the test. You are truly, you know, the mankind's best hope for survival. And, you know, it's just so memorable because it was... It's a the kind of irony that can be difficult to pull off, but they did it in a really... I don't know. They made the tragedy of it seem really believable, that this is 
exactly what would happen if you set it up like this, you idiots, Vault Tech. Um, and how, like, even the, the best intended one could go just so horribly wrong was very memorable to me as well. Um, did you have any other ones, Ron or Dylan? I have a couple others, but I'll get to them in a minute. Yeah, I like that one. Um, generally, I just like that the this feeling that all of them gave you, because virtually all of them, everyone's already dead from whatever happened. So just the, the mystery feeling of creeping around in these abandoned vaults, except for the occasional plant zombie, um, yeah. was, was a great atmosphere. And I feel like almost all of them had that atmosphere, and I... Um, once I don't remember which game it is. I think New Vegas, where you find something and it tells you where all the vaults are, and it's really I had a good time going around to each of the vaults and sort of solving the mystery of what experimental was they were trying to do there. Yeah, that's a lot of fun too. Um, I, I think I I don't know if they're can or not. I know Penny Arcade had a couple comics about one vault where it's just one person inside of it and a bunch of puppets. <laughs> the uh, one yeah. where there's only one man and 999 women that one is canon yeah that that, that i thought that, that i thought that was one of them too i couldn't remember that one but um like uh but like i th- it's implied that the that the penny arcade one actually did get made canon yeah there's like in-game references i think in new vegas maybe I think it's New Vegas or four where they mentioned like some guy's got a doll. Like, don't fuck with the don't fuck with that guy's doll. Yeah, I remember that. Um. Uh, there's also a vault where I think this was in New Vegas where the Gek was programmed to have, like automatically like overload and like cause spontaneous plant growth. Yeah, so, so that's vault eighty three, I think. I think that's Vault 81, maybe. I don't, I, don't remember, I don't remember which one exactly, but it's basically just like, we're basically just going to make like a, like a small garden of Eden around this around this vault. And you, you, you're you like, and the reason why I remember this is because like, I think it's, it, it was either in New Vegas or Fallout 3. And like, you're just walking through the wasteland and all of a sudden you start seeing green. And, and like not not, not yeah. the radioactive green, but like plant growth green. And you're like, wait, what the fuck? This is this this doesn't this isn't this one of these things. Is not like the other. I'm going to go check this out, and lo and behold, it's it's literally just like plants and vines growing out of a vault of out of a vault tunnel. And like, yeah, I really like, liked that one. Yeah, and it's just and it was just like, no, this one was purposely built to kind of overload and overflow the the human occupants because they just wouldn't have the room to stay in there they would have to like either turn the either turn the machine off which by the way is their life support or open up the vault after like a few years and just let start letting all the plant growth grow out of it yeah i i really liked that one as well going in like you said stumbling upon this greenery was sort of like coming across Oasis in Fallout 3, but coming across this greenery in the middle, I think that was in the Mojave Wasteland, but I'm not sure, um, where there's just all the all the greenery everywhere was a really cool ex- experience as well. Um, 
I like going into, um, I believe it's, let me double check, it's Vault 108. I guess what happened was uh, they put an overseer in charge who was terminally ill um, to come up with a... <clears throat> to come up with a unique protocol and they ended up cloning people and you go in and everyone there is just a population of people named Gary and all the they, yeah. And all they do, they come at you and they're like, Gary, Gary. And that, that was just fucked up. <laughs> There's um, no other way of putting that. The vault in new Vegas, like actual Vegas proper was based on a society of gamblers and then whoever, yeah, that's the one the, Rich was mentioning. Yeah, and whoever the best gambler is, is is the overseer, and that is only after they open up the vault and talk to a big house that they kind of lost and then got kicked out. Yeah, yeah. Mister House came in and took it over, right? Yeah. Although he took it over because it ended up being his supercomputer was located relatively near Vault Twenty. Oh yeah. Vault, Vault 21, because, um, and he, and he, and he did it for, like, self, self-preservation purposes for anything else. Yeah, um, yeah, Vault 21 was pretty cool, um, let's see, uh, I don't know, I can't think of any more off the top of my head that were particularly neat but let's see oh yeah the one that we were talking about before the the uh the greenery one that was vault 22 and it was in fallout new vegas basically they had all like the best agricultural technology um but they were supposed to you know cultivate new plant life and whatever else to develop for the uh for the future you know to repopulate the yeah. world with greenery yeah. and all that but yeah. it just yeah the, all three parasitic they, fungus destroyed the vault yeah so fall three wherever the little rock like the the little children people oh right yeah uh, little yeah, that, lamplight yeah little lamplight that was a vault um where I think I think it was that no one under the age of eighteen was was allowed in or thirteen. Uh, it's something like that. It's yeah, and once they grew once, up, they'd be banished. They yeah, had their yeah. own separate town. Yeah, yeah. Once once they grew up to be eighteen or older, they they got kicked out of Little Lamplock or Little Lamplight. But then eventually, they got taken over by the Super Mutants. Yeah. Um. Well, it didn't get taken over by super mutants in my game because <laughs> I defended them, I think. But what was the name of that other town? They were getting attacked constantly by super mutants. That's so. what it was. Yeah, big, um, like big city or something like that was what they called it because it was like big town. Big, big town. town. Yeah, yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thanks Vault Tech for saving humanity, I guess, but also torturing a bunch of people. Um, a bunch of people, just so many people. 
getting tortured by these social experiments because who cares? The world is ending and it's all the Chinese people's fault somehow. But I never got like a clear understanding of what the issue was, but I know it's in the lore somewhere. Does anyone else recall? The the thing is, is that no one knows who actually fired first, whether it was the U S or China Right, but you're US. in the U.S., so everyone's going to blame China. Yeah. That's what I mean. Or, or, the, or the USSR, because the USSR was still around for some reason in 2077 when the bombs fell. Um, but, so, in, in the in-game reason for why um, there's such a push for nuclear fuel and things like that was because um, they... It's it's it mimics our dependence on oil up into like the twenty the twenty twenties when yeah. all the oil fields ran dry, and they went oh fucking shit we don't have any more oil left to run literally everything else in our economy, and so they had a bunch of resource wars over like the last few oil fields, um, and it ended up being that China invaded Alaska to get the to get access to the Alaskan oil fields, which was one of the few still active oil refineries or the the oil oil, uh, oil plant, I should say. And that was why you had the Alaskan like, like Operation, Operation Anchorage. Anchorage. Yeah, Operation yeah. Anchorage and things like that, where it was literally just like 20 years of basically... The, the war was basically 20 years of fighting over Alaska, which China... Um, took away from the U.S. and then eventually the U.S. got it back about a year, uh, twenty years later, which is where the the um, which is where the the veteran came from in, in uh, Fallout Four because he's a veteran of that war because the war had by and large ended by twenty seventy seven until the bombs fell. Gotcha. Um. Let's see, what else was I going to say? But yeah, so, I mean, um, anyway, I, d- I don't know uh, what what else there is to say about it. Thank you for the, uh, the little in-game history lesson, because I am rusty on that, Ron, so thank you. Uh, I will... I think we're getting close to the end, but I wanted to ask two more questions. One should be pretty straightforward. Uh, do you have a favorite faction in the world of Fallout? Uh, um, I personally do, but I'll save it till after you guys answer. If you have one, or if you need a minute to think about it, I'll go ahead. I'll leave it up to you. I'm not doing I, a good I, job as a host. <laughs> <laughs> For me, they're all pretty shitty. But for different reasons, um, I I think the I don't say the best, but the ones that are least likely to abuse their power, although the the evidence of it seems contrary, would be the um, I think it's the Brotherhood of Steel because they're the guys that go around in power armor, and other than basically just like dealing with super mutant threats and other threats that come out of the wasteland, they. Did, they kind of let everyone else kind of do whatever else they want. Although the only, the only time they get pissy is when was when they try and recover pre-war tech 
So which is why I kind of go like, you do realize pre-war tech kind of caused all this, right? Yeah. I'm not a big fan of the Brotherhood of Steel, personally. Um, I I think part of that comes from New Vegas, again, where they're kind of ideological dicks uh, um, who really just... They're not as bad as the Enclave in terms of, you know, how the Enclave basically just wants to wipe out everyone who's not hum yeah, human who's and pure. pure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is obviously not going to win them any points in my book. But um, the Brotherhood of Steel, they are. They're too goody goody, like. Auto I don't know. I guess I'm more interested in the Brotherhood of Steel outsiders or the, the people who are cast out because. They think, look, let's not just stockpile this uh, yeah. pre-war technology. Let's do something useful with it. Yeah, like and the, then I, the I, rest would, I would agree with you there. It's just like, listen, we understand pre-war tech is like really rare and it's, it's unusual to find a working one. But if you find a working one, then use it to better your fellow man. Yeah. Meanwhile, they're just they're very uh you know they like idolize the technology while doing nothing with it and then they exile you if you suggest that it could be used to make uh things better and if you have the tech they want they're gonna roll in and you know do whatever they can to get it from you including in some of the games attacking you and yeah. i i don't i don't know I, i'm not I, a big I, fan of zealots I, I agree that so. Te technological zealots are never a good thing, but like, if if the outcasts or some of the the more level-headed people, you know, actually like learn how this technology works and figures out a way to use it for the betterment of man, I'm all, I'm all for that. But the the technology, but the, it's just it's it's always a case of politics of like, sure you have some people that are I don't want to say. Uh, commies or anything like that, but like they're they're they they look to better man versus bettering themselves. Yeah, and I mean, like, I don't know my my thing with the Brotherhood of Steel is they just seem kind of like the selfish people who were lucky enough to get there first, but also, um, they're just. They're too cut and dry. They're set up by the game to be like this infallible force when they're, they obviously have a bunch of issues, but they never, you don't really get to see underneath the hood as much as I think the game implies you really should. You do see more of it in, in the, in the, in the broken steel DLC for Fallout 3. Yeah. Uh, that, which, that's mostly which all. Save the, the ending of Fallout 3 also. Yeah. Because the the normal ending of Fallout Three was just like we ran out of time, you die. Yeah, fuck you. So, yeah. Um, even if you have Fox with you, sure he's immune to radi radiation. We don't want you to live. Um, yeah, that that was no good. But 
How about you, Dylan? Did you have a favorite uh, faction in any of the Fallout games? Well, I'm generally on board with the whole they're all dicks description. Um, I usually <laughs> go with the Brotherhood of, Brotherhood of Steel because I want power armor and a Gauss rifle. Uh, I do remember one of my fondest memories is I had a, a paladin follow me in Fallout 3 and she got stuck on a wall in Deathclaw Town and that was the end of her. <laughs> Oh no! What was her name? I, I can't remember her name, she was but I know who. Like you're... Ten minutes before that happened, so I don't remember. Um, yeah. But no, usually I go, I go with the Brotherhood of Steel for practical reasons. Some of the people there are okay, but yeah, they're none of the factions are people I really want to be hanging out with all the time. Yeah, I mean, I personally, let's see, my reasons for liking my faction, which I will mention in a moment. Um, are partly because just from a story standpoint, they're more interesting. They obviously have a lot of problems. They're, but they're also trying to rebuild and actually, you know, be resourceful and make the most of the world that they're in. Um, even though they're a bureaucracy and they're in some ways trying to turn to you know the old militaristic ideals of of pre-war and if you haven't guessed already that means my faction of choice is the ncr but i have a lot of problems with them as well like you know mr house in a way is okay he's you know he is sort of his own faction in new vegas but um the Rangers, I don't know, they they sort of embody the spirit of the Fallout games to me because a lot of them are out there on their own. Uh, you know, they're just as isolated as you are, especially on their easternmost border, which is the New Vegas area, before you go into Caesar's Legion territory. They're trying to get a foothold. They don't know what the hell they're doing a lot of them are flawed in pretty serious ways, but the elites of their ranks get the uh, veteran veteran ranger status, and they get, in my opinion, like the coolest armor in the in any of the games that I've played is the uh, veteran ranger armor. It's not even power armor, but okay, it looks so, so badass. Also, keep in mind too. Because it's not even the fact that the veteran rangers get the armor. The armor looks pretty decent. They get the anti-material rifle. Yes, and my I favorite gun of the game. Yeah, like, this is, this is okay, for those who are unaware, the anti-material rifle is easily the strongest ballistics gun in any of the Fallout games. It requires the strength of 100 to wield, but it's, you fire a 50 caliber round at someone. Like, mm. when, and 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 it's a rifle, so it's it's a sniper rifle, so you can't, so it's got a scope on it. My and I, I've been silent about it because I knew it was going to be coming up eventually. My favorite moment is in New Vegas. There is a quarry, and the quarry is filled with nothing but death claws. Yeah, and I found that quarry and said, "Oh no, 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 no! I ain't coming back here just yet." I went through that game 20 hours later, I come back to that quarry 
with anti-material rifle and 50 rounds and say, all right, boys, let's do this. And just, so did you pick them off one at a time? Or oh, yeah, no, I was I was a quarter of a mile away and just, like, watching them with the sniper rifle and, and then just blowing their heads off with every single shot. Nice. And it was just, like, it was only at the end of the, when there's, like, just the, the Deathclaw mother and the Deathclaw alpha that are left that I ran out of bullets finally. It's because those things are absolute yeah. bullet sponges. And, like, sure, I'm doing 500 damage a pop, but when they've got 3,000 HP... Like, I'm running out of bullets at this point. Yeah, they'll still last a bit. But yeah. yeah. But yeah, so I've always been a fan of, especially the Rangers within NCR. The NCR themselves, they got a lot of problems. And I got a lot of problems with them. But the Rangers are, you know, they're the ones who are out there actually doing it, you know, and they're the ones that. As a character, as a person who's invested in my character, I can relate the most to because they are sort of very similar to your character in a lot of ways. But I mean, that's that's my take on it. All of you out there, feel free to disagree. You know, the my- Brotherhood has uh, has defended my friend Three Dog over in the Capital Wasteland a number of times, so they're not all that bad. And the problem I have with the NCR is we had to use their stupid currency in Fallout 2 instead of the much more thematic bottle caps. Yeah. Yeah, NCR money is bunk, but... Yeah. Like I said, they they got some issues, too. Um, man, there was something else I had wanted to say, but I, I don't know whether I am going to remember it in time. Did anyone else have anything to add in commemoration of 20 years of scrounging for bottle caps and fighting for our lives in the post-apocalyptic wastelands? I, per, this is me being a little, little, greedy, little greedy here. I personally would love to see a Fallout 5, because let's face it, with this, so they're probably going to make a Fallout 5. Yeah. I, I would like to see one occur in the the Midwest. Like, because if you think about it, all we've explored so far is D.C. and Boston, which, let's face it, that's the East Coast. That, that's... Yeah. There's not, there's not a large difference between the two. Um, right. And then, and then you had the West Coast, which it was Fallout 1 and Fallout 2, and then New Vegas, which is more west coast it's not it's not as as west as california but it's still pretty damn close whereas i think the idea of exploring a some some irradiated plane the irradiated plains of the united states or um going through the ruins of chicago because based on um the various uh the fall lore is that Chicago got hit pretty damn hard, and the Great Lakes got all irradiated at the, with pretty dangerous levels of radiation. Like, I think the I think exploring the the, the irradiated husk of Chicago could be interesting. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. I certainly would like to see um, on the other side of the spectrum. I'd like to see a spinoff. 
where everyone's just been living fine for 200 years, but occasionally you get like a radioactive whale attack, you know, uh, that's not canon. I'm just making it up off the top of my head, but honestly, other than a severe lack of resources, because Hawaii tends to import a lot of goods from the mainland. Yeah. If they could somehow become self-sufficient, they would have only had probably a few bombs thrown their way because there's a couple military bases for the Navy in Hawaii, but other than that, it would have... It would still be relatively unscathed, and they may... That would be an interesting idea of being like exploring the, 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 um, the oceans off of Hawaii. Yeah, though I think... In a war against an Asian country, uh, the Pacific Islands might be pretty important. Yeah. They were last time. That's true, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's all speculation, I guess. But it, it would be... Uh, I wouldn't want a whole game that was set in Hawaii, but maybe a DLC. <laughs> yeah. DLC Radioactive Luau. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, oh man, I wish I could remember what I was going to talk about, but we've already talked for almost three hours, and I wanted to say thank you to all of you for participating, even the two who are lost to the ages now. Um, it's been great as we look back uh, at 20 years, thinking about all the things that made the the game and its series special to us you know i mean i personally i've written a poem that was inspired by it i've i've made i made a collage inspired by it i've seen a, a bunch of artwork by other people that is just really breathtaking and and good um and i i know it's inspired a lot of people's uh own story writing and things like that it, it'll it's one of those game series that for better and worse stays with me and I think about it a lot I mean I, I after playing three and New Vegas I went for three years without playing it and I started feeling that draw to go back into that world so I mean I think if nothing else that's a testament to the the world that was originally developed by Interplay and Black Isle and then expanded upon for a wider audience, again, for better and worse, uh, by Bethesda and Obsidian. So, hats off to you, I guess is what I would say. Um, anyone else have any closing thoughts that they would like to say on Fallout? Uh, biggest influence it's given me is I have a very strange association with 1950s music now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. The music in the game, which we didn't really discuss at all, is really cool to me and, and haunting. I I realized that they upped the ante a lot starting in Fallout 3 where you actually hear that music all the time rather than just in a couple of instances. But it really does a trick because a lot of that music was just post-war and it's wistful and it's about lost love or your love is going to last forever and juxtaposing that with the post-apocalyptic 
apocalyptic wasteland it was a really smart choice i think on on the original developer's part and then on bethesda to expand that greatly and i'm sure it was really helpful that all that stuff was royalty free by that point so yeah how about you ron um i don't really have anything i just wish that bethesda would Make an actual make make a new game engine for their stuff, <laughs> please. Yeah, like you one, use the two. same one since you've used the same one since three. You can you use it for like three or four games now. Make a new one. Yeah, I mean, and if if they need time to develop it, I do realize that a lot of the members of Obsidian Entertainment have dispersed and been. You know, they've gone their separate ways and whatever else. And obviously the development cycle for New Vegas was apparently a nightmare. They gave them like a year to make it, and they did such a great job in the year that they had. If they could outsource someone, you know, a a group of talent like they did with New Vegas and build another game out of the engine that they have while they're developing a new one, I won't complain. But I would agree with you, Ron that it's perhaps time for a little more of an expansion there, uh, some development and refining of the of the system. You know, even if it's not broke, don't fix it. It still is only good for so long. So. Mm-hmm. But on a positive note, uh, thank you all for coming and really helping me celebrate the 20th anniversary of this story and this world that I am so fond of. You know, it's, you know, we were in the last episode, we talked, you know, speaking of, of post-apocalyptic stuff, you know, we talked about Bioshock and, you know, I, I, I sense a lot of similar themes here between the two. So right down to the music. So, yeah. Oh. Yeah, the visuals are very similar with the Pip-Boy and the, uh, I'm sure you guys all talked about that. Yep. So, all right. Well, then, Gabe, I'm going to put a bow on this for you. So, uh, okay. th- thank you for hosting. Absolutely. I hope I did all right. If any of you on the wide world of the internet have any questions, comments, feedback on this episode or any other episode of downloadable content, you can go onto our website, dlcpodcast.com. Every episode is there, including links to each episode via iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. You can use the feedback button to let us know. Anything that's on your mind related to any episode. We have a few more episodes coming up to wrap up 2017. So have a look there. If you want to be on any of those episodes, let us know. Also, we're on Facebook and Twitter. So you can get us there as well. So that, I believe, is going to do it for us. So... Thank you guys very much for recording this episode. And on that note, I am Brian. Have a good one, everybody.
everything.